You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. doing well. oh dave's doing well that's fantastic but i realized you know um ted's a liar right <laughs> no he talks so so praisingly of me but yeah that's not the case at all but hope everyone's doing great today uh get to celebrate palm sunday which is awesome you know last time i preached uh apparently i went long and somebody not gonna say the name Eric, uh, said he wanted me to preach for 15 minutes, and I said, no. <laughs> so, I don't know. Huh? 15 minutes, he said. Yeah. That's not going to happen. But, you know, we're going to see what the Lord says today. Amen? Uh, yeah, he said I could do it. I mean, I probably could, but no. Um, all right, so let's pray. Let's pray. All right, dear Lord, we just come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, your love. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for coming. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for dying. Thank you, Lord, that you were raised again, Lord God. And um, we can celebrate you, Lord. So, Lord, we just give you praise and honor today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we're going to uh, talk about Palm Sunday, right? That's today, right? Awesome. All right. So why don't you turn with me to uh, Mark 11. We're going to read the first 11 verses and uh, go from there. All right? Okay. So it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth, Bethphage and Bethany uh, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which, is, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside the street, tied, it, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing? They're untying that colt. They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus they, and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while uh, others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the in, in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany uh, with the twelve. Amen. All right. So it's Palm Sunday, and um, we're not quite out of Lent yet, right? Yeah, I know we've been praying during the Lenten season. Some people have been giving up things. Some people haven't, you know. That's fine, you know, fasting and not fasting. And, um, yeah, but we've been praying together. We're supposed to be praying together uh, for, the, for different uh, prayer requests that we have every day. And um, 
But today, uh, we, we have the scripture that, you know, describes the triumph, that describes the triumphal entry uh, of Jesus in Jerusalem. You know, if you were one of the followers of Jesus, right, it looked like the show was just getting started, right? It looked like it was just getting started. While we know there's still, there's still danger in Jerusalem, it looks like everything's going to turn out okay. Everything's going to turn out okay. You know, the crowds really like Jesus and are, and are celebrating and acknowledging the king. And Jesus, you know, has been on his way to Jerusalem for, for weeks or months now, right? You know, and, and he's not in any hurry. You know, he stops and teaches on the way there. Uh, he zigzags his way, you know, uh, there. And then he arrives just in time, right? He arrives on the last possible day to be involved in the full celebration of Passover. And the place was packed, right? This, the, the Jerusalem was packed. And the whole area was packed. And some historians say that there was about, there was over 100,000 people there, right? And Jerusalem is not that big, right? Well, at least the old city. It's not that big. There's over 100,000 people there. You know, the noise from the people and the animals and, you know, it, was, it had to be deafening, you know, right? not to mention the smell, right? I'm sorry, but I'm sure it wasn't the best smell there, you know. And, you know, and you, you really can't see anything but a sea of people. And it was, it's like going to Disney World, you know, on like discount ticket day. Right? There's like so many people there, and everybody, everything's all uncomfortable, and everything's so expensive, and the lines are super long. Right? You know, if anybody's been to Disney, yeah, if I never go back, I'll be all right. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, there was a big crowd there. There was a big crowd, and it was the week before Passover, right? The week, the week before Passover, the most important festival of the year. You know, it was a time of a preparation for, this, for the huge celebration, uh, the celebration for uh, freedom and salvation uh, that, pro- that was provided directly, was directly provided by the work of the Lord, right? That's, that's what they were celebrating. Generations before, God had in, uh, instructed the people to use blood, the blood of the Lamb to protect their families. And in Jesus' day, the celebration of the event was still celebrated by the offering of, you know, the blood and, and, and the sharing of a meal and telling the story of the Passover. And many of the country folk there, right, they brought their own offering because they probably had a lamb, you know, with them. They, have, they, had, they brought it with them. And the urban crowd, you know, they had to buy their lamb. They had to go to the supermarket. Well, no, not supermarket, but you know what I mean. They had to go to the store and buy their lamb or go wherever and buy their lamb. And, and, the, and that day was the day you had to buy your lamb, right? You had to go buy your lamb because the lamb was treat, had to be treated like a pet. And it had to live with you for the whole week, right? And it's like it, the general idea was that the lamb would take on your sins by, being, by its exposure to you, and then you sacrifice that lamb, right? So on Friday, the lambs were to be taken to the temple and slaughtered, and the blood, of, you know, was offered as protection for the family, those kind of things. And so in keep, uh, and the keeping of the feast, being faithful to remember God's past, you know, salvation, his past salvation is by obedience and remembering God's, you know, past acts continue to uh, 
and to, and to continue to receive God's mercy in the future. That's what, that's what it's all about. That's what the people wanted to do. You know, they observing the Passover. You know, so Jesus is coming to town, right, for the celebration of the great feast. He books a room about a mile or two outside of town, right? And then he says, go to the village ahead of you. And, and just, just as you enter it, you'll see, you'll see a colt tied there, you know, which no one's ever ridden you know, and tie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you doing this? Tell them, you know, the Lord needs it and he'll send it back shortly. That's what he was told. So one or two miles out, right, Jesus stops and tells his two disciples, go get this donkey colt. That's what he tells them. So we got to get this straight. Now, Jesus, he walks everywhere, Right? Everywhere. For years, he walks everywhere. And just when he's, a, he's within a, a mile or two of the city of Jerusalem, he says, wait, now I need a ride, right? That's what he says. He's like, I need a ride right now. And so I need, I need you to go get this colt. And so he sends the two unnamed followers, you know, to the edge of the village on, on a heavy travel day to borrow a colt, borrow the ride. You know, he no, you notice that he doesn't tell them to ask first. He just goes and tell, says, go get this. You know, you know, and horse and, you know, donkey thieving back then was pretty, you know, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal back then. And it sounds like something that's a little risky. So it was like, he, it's like he's asking his followers, it's just like asking his followers, go into the city Go to the car dealership, right? And you'll find a brand new four-wheel drive truck. And the, the keys will be in it. The, ticket, the sticker will be still on the window. And the keys will be in the ignition, you know, ready to go. You know, if a salesman or a security guard asks you what to do, what are you doing, why are you taking this car, you say, you know, the Lord needs it. And it'll be back in a little while. That's basically the same thing that he's saying. To them, so to give you guys a you know an idea, you know, so now I'm thinking that these must be the two disciples that Jesus does not like, right? <laughs> Jesus can't like these guys because he's sending them to do to go steal this donkey from somebody, right? It could have been stoned right on the on the spot. Well, not steal, but borrow. Sorry, I did not borrow, you know. <laughs> But yeah, but it could have been stolen right on the spot, you know, and uh, and he asked them to, he's asked them to do strange things, but it seems like this seems to be a little bit more dangerous, right? A da more dangerous thing to do for the disciples, you know. So this is pretty radical stuff, and you know, it keeps me thinking. So, you know, and it's like, wow, you know what? The Lord really needs something. He needs something, and I can't remember many of the time, many times when the Lord says He needs something. You know, he asked for water at the well. Yep. You know, he borrows a tomb for, for the weekend, right? That's what he does. You know, he, you know, I'm sure there are others, but nothing really stands out, you know, that he says, okay, these are my personal needs. I need my personal needs met, right? But <laughs> it's funny because, like, he could have just prayed, you know, and a donkey could have appeared or a ride could have appeared, you know, or something could have been like, you know, lowered out of heaven, like really slow, like, you know, and been there for him to ride into town. 
But that's not what he does. You know, uh, you know, he could have changed something into a donkey, but that's not what he does. You know, he asks us to do different things. He asks his disciples and he asks us to do different things, to participate. So, you know, so even with Jesus physically present, you know, the Lord wants someone to do something physical, right? He wants us to do different things. He needs something, he needs something to help him fulfill the prophecy. And the prophecy that he's fulfilling is from Zechariah 9. And in Zechariah 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He wants willing people to carry out tasks on behalf of the Lord. Right? The disciples must go and do the, and, and the owner or responsible person must let what he owns be used right? For the Lord. Humans, Christians, we must participate in God's plan. We have to participate in God's plan. Jesus provides, you know, the directions, you know, and to where and what, you know, and, and, and what to say. And um, the disciples hurry up, up the road, and they hurry down the road and get the ride, right? You know, when they went to found the colt in the street, Tied in the doorway, as they untied it, just like Jesus said, you know, people were asking there, what are you doing? Well, why are you untying that coat, colt? And, there, and this is where it could have gotten interesting, right? Even though they had started the task, they were confronted by a couple of people, a couple of choices, I mean. They were confronted with a couple of choices. You know, you know after all, Jesus wasn't there, and you couldn't see the looks on the people's faces when, he, when they wanted to, you know, borrow the coat, Right? They, didn't, they couldn't see the, the voice that people used when, he sp when they spoke to him, when they spoke to them, right? No. They could have just said, you know, oh, um, is this yours? Um, you know, I thought it was a friend of mine. His must be up the street somewhere. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, they could have said that. You know, they could have just run off, you know, after being confronted. You know, but they responded just as Jesus had told them. They responded just the way they t he told them to do. And they gave this vague response you know, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back. What? And they were just like, okay. You know, the problems just vanished, just like that, because they did what Jesus asked them to do. You know, you see, once it was made clear that the cult was needed by the Lord, needed by Jesus, the cult was made available without any further questions, without any other um, confrontation. What, what, they, what do we, but what do we say when Jesus asks for our possessions to be used for his service? What do we say? What do we do? You know? When they brought, they brought the cult to Jesus, you know, they threw their cloaks over it, and they sat on it, you know, and many people spread their cloaks on the road. And while the others, you know, uh, spread branches that they had cut from the fields on the road, right? This is what happens. This is a triumphal entry. So Jesus is sitting on an unbroken donkey, right? 
unbroken, never been ridden before, and he's not thrown off. If anybody knows anything about, you know, horses and things like that, that's what they, the first thing they do is they buck. They, they buck. You know, they start to, you know, move around and, and, and do different things, you know. That in itself is a bit of a miracle, right? <laughs> that Jesus wasn't, wasn't thrown off. Maybe it's a special revelation of, you know, Jesus' uh, divine nature, you know, but nobody quoted the donkey, so you can never tell, you know. So we can only, you know, guess what made him calm in, in the strange crowds and all the crowds that were happening around him, you know, with a, with a person suddenly on its back. You know, the people, most likely the disciples, start taking off their coats and collecting palm branches and, and, and waving them and throwing them on the road and in front of the donkey as, a, as, a, as, a, as they proceeded into the, uh, the city. No, this is done as a sign of respect for Jesus. It's a sign of respect. The people making, you know, an offering of support and, and treating his, possession, his procession like a, uh, a king returning from battle. You know, they make a parade, right? They make it, they make it like a parade, like, like when people come home from war. You know, you see like the American flags waving and people crying and people cheering and things like that. Same thing. You know, same type of thing. You know, people, you know, their family members are coming home. Or, just a, or maybe it's just a sign of patriotism, whatever it might be. It's the same type of uh, action that's going on here. You know, the Jews were looking. They're looking for a king. They're looking for, you know, a king that, that will release them from captivity. You know, and give them absolute freedom from Rome. But not just any king. They're looking for the God-sent king of the Jews. That's who they were looking for. You know, this little parade, you know, has things lining up that, where Jesus is that person. You know, Jesus is that person coming into Jerusalem. You know, and the parade, the parade moves uh, towards Jerusalem. And the people along the way join in in the excitement. Other people join in. You know, they come and they, you know, they're throwing more branches and they're throwing their cloaks and all these different things. And excitement grows as the, as the group grows. And more people grab branches to wave in front of them and throw their coats on the ground. And they're, they're escorting Jesus, they're escorting Jesus into the city. Their actions draw attention. Their crowd gets bigger. You know, some just watch, but others join in the excitement. You know, everyone wants to, to get in on the fun, right? So they start to chant, you know, you know, those of, you know, in front of him, those who followed him, they're like, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, is the coming king of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest, you know, Hosanna in Hebrew, you know, means please save or save now. That's what it means. We use it as a praise, you know. It's used in, in, in Christian and Jewish, you know, worship to give adoration and praise to God. But it means save. So basically, they were over there, you know, Jesus is walking in, and they're worshiping him. But who were they really worshiping? Who were they really worshiping? You know? Who were they calling on to save them? You know, was it the Jesus as he really is? Or the one they wanted him to be. Do we worship Jesus 
as he really is? Or as a Jesus as we want him to be? It's a simple multiple choice question, A or B, you know. You could do 50-50, I guess, but I mean, you know, I'm not asking anyone to raise their hands or anything like that, you know, those kind of things. But there was joy and there was excitement and, and, and expectation and shouting. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, you know, the king's transport, right? But was he the king they expected? Remember, people of the time were longing for someone to relieve them of the oppression that they were feeling from the Romans. That's what they wanted. They were looking for the Messiah, the king, the one who would would put their enemies under their feet, who would would free them from the years, years and decades of persecution. That's who they were looking for. And us... Do we worship Jesus as he really is? Or do we worship Jesus as we want him to be? What do we do? You know, we hear people say all the time, if if Jesus were here today, right, and then you can insert whatever cause or, you know, that they're for or any, you know, what their earthly desires are. We need to focus on Jesus Christ as he really is, not a a Christ of our own making or a Christ of our own desires, right? You know, the simple reason for doing this is because, you know, God made us in his image, right? We can't invent a God in our own image. That would be so, so bad, right? Just look in the mirror, right? If I look in the mirror, I don't want anybody looking like me, but anyway, but I'm just saying, that's, that's what we do. But knowing who Jesus is, studying the Jesus of the Bible and the Messiah is prophesied in the Old Testament, you know, is the best way to keep us, you know, focused on the real Jesus. You know, this, this Friday we're having uh, the Good Friday service, and we have uh, some people uh, sharing the last uh, seven words of, of Jesus on the cross. You know, and there's some, some, some stuff from the Old Testament or some stuff from the New Testament and all that, you know, uh, how it's all, whatever, uh, mingled in together. But we should be studying, we should be looking to the Jesus, to Jesus and worshiping him as he really is. You know, Jesus who, who forgave sins, who fed the hungry, who brought healing to the sick, who, who, who raised the dead, walked on water. It's always my favorite. I love that. You know, and cause people to praise the Father. He caused people to praise God. That's what he did. You know, Jesus fulfilled ancient prophecy, you know, in, his, in, the, in the place of his birth, right? You know, in his ministry. He fulfilled pro- prophecy in his ministry. In, in, in entry of, into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know, in many prophecies regarding his death and resurrection. He fulfilled all those prophecies. You know, recalled by the real Jesus, the historical Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, you know, uh, the Jesus who, who promises that he will be with us, you know, in our midst when two or three are gathered together in his name. Amen. But this goes against, so goes against, you know, the spirit of the age that, that, that says, 
that we can be whatever we want to be. That we can believe whatever we want to believe. You know, in that all faiths and beliefs are basically equal. That's what our world tells us. You know, and that your truth is truth for you, and my truth is truth for me. That's what this world tells us. It goes so much against that. Because, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus continued by saying, you know, if, if, we, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is what Jesus said. It's not what I'm saying or what Dave's saying or Ted or Dan or Ephraim. This is what Jesus is saying. He is the way. He is the truth. It's not about, you know, what is true for you. You know, I remember having this conversation with a, a coworker of mine who's a believer, who was a believer. This is years ago. And I'm like, she was like, oh, well, your truth is truth for you. I'm like, no, there's, there's truth. Truth is truth. What are you talking about? I'm like, I, I just couldn't understand, you know, the thinking at the time. But, yeah, but that's how people, that's how people are. That's how people think. That's what the world tells us, you know, that my truth is truth for me. Your truth is truth for you. No, that's not how it is. There's truth, and there's not truth. How about that? <laughs> you know? You know? So, who, do, so do we worship Jesus as he really is, or do we worship Jesus as we want him to be? It's funny to think, but, you know, how many of the people involved, right, in the parade on Palm Sunday were also in the crowd outside of Pilate's uh, residence on Friday morning? You know what I mean? I'm like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, Wow. I wonder how many people are in, the, you know, in both places. They're waving branches, saying Hosanna to the king, you know, saying all that, you know, welcome, you know, the king of, you know, our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And then the next month, you know, ne next week, a couple days later, you know, they're in front of Pilate's, you know, residence. They're, they're there, you know. There was excitement then too, right? The disciples were no longer leading the crowd, leading a parade, but a different group was influencing the, the crowd, right? There's a different group influencing the crowd. Pilate offers, you know, to free one prisoner, and they shout for Jesus to be free, but not Jesus of Nazareth. You know, Jesus Barabbas, right? They would ask who, what should happen to Jesus of Nazareth. And the shouts to crucify him started to, to started someplace and just kept, kept catching on. And they started yelling it even more so. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It's funny, but when I think about that, you know, I think of like peer pressure, right? It's like peer pressure. You know, peer pressure, you know, makes people want to be in a popular group. So when someone started yelling, crucify him, when, when, when they were coming into, when Jesus was coming into the, to the city, people were like, oh, yeah, just praise him. You know, he's the king, Hosanna in the highest. And then when someone says at the, uh, um, uh, 
a few days later, when someone says crucify him, they're like, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Makes you want to be in a popular group. You know, it makes people want to fit into the crowd, right? Fit in the crowd and to, you know, keep quiet sometimes when, when self, you know, or self-controlled, even when the wrong things are happening. Keeps you from taking risks and speaking the truth. Makes you choose the crowd or choose the group over choosing God. But it's interesting because, like, with peer pressure, you know, it'll lead you to a life, basically, of, of you never being satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never really know Jesus because his ways are too old-fashioned, right? Or, or, or too simple, It'll make you, you know, act out against God, against what God wants, uh, uh, wants for you and, 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 and leads you just basically into darkness and, 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 and ultimate disappointment. You know, sorry for that tangent, but at the beginning of the week, they were praising him. And at the end, they wanted to crucify him. He wasn't who they thought, you know, he wasn't who they wanted him to be. They were looking for someone mighty, you know, and to, you know, to crush their enemies, right, under their feet. That's what they were looking for. But Jesus came and humbled himself and offered himself as a sacrifice. It's Jesus who we are to worship. His name, his presence, and his majesty. That's who we're supposed to be worshiping. Not the one that we want, but the one of the, you know, of the Bible. Not the one that gives us candy and all of our wishes, you know. That's a lot of times what we want. That's not who he is. So I ask again, who are you worship, who are you worshiping? You know, there's a, I'm gonna end on this. There's this old story about a man who uh, uh, dreamed that an angel escorted him to church one day. It was a Sunday morning, and when he got there, he saw the keyboard playing, you know, with all their might, and the musicians playing, you know, uh, so well, and you know this with everything that he have and the singer singing and, and everything is going on but the man heard no sound he didn't hear anything you know the congregation was also singing well most of them right not everybody sings <laughs> but uh, most of them were singing you know but still they were all muted they couldn't, he couldn't hear a thing then the preacher got up to speak and you know and, 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 and when the pastor preached you know his lips moved but there was no volume. There was no, nothing coming out of his mouth. In amazement, the man, you know, uh, turned to, to the angel and, and was like, what's going on here? What's happening? And the angel goes, this is what it sounds to us in heaven. You hear nothing because there's nothing to hear. 
You know, these people are engaged in a, in a form of, of worship, in, in the form of worship, but their thoughts are on other things, and their hearts are far away. So this morning, I want to encourage you guys to have our eyes, have our thoughts, have our minds, all of ourselves fixed on Jesus, worshiping him as he really is. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you, Lord God, and we just... Um, But I pray, Lord, that our worship is not silent, our God, in your ears. I pray, Lord, that our hearts aren't far from you, that our minds aren't on other things, Lord God. Lord, that we can worship, that we will worship you, Lord, with everything that we, that, that we have, Lord, everything that we are. I pray, Lord, that we would know who you are, Lord God. The, Lord, we would worship the, the, uh, you, Lord, as you are, Lord. As your word says, you are, Lord God. Lord, it's so easy, Lord, to get distracted. So easy, Lord, to get pulled away. It's so easy, Lord, to, to uh, have other things pop in our heads all the time or be worried about this or worried about that, Lord. When your word says that we should be fixed on you, that our affections should be set on things above, that our hearts and minds should be fixed on you, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would um, reveal to us, Lord, speak to us, Lord, reveal to us um, where our hearts are. Lord, and turn us to you. Turn us to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we may worship you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.